welcome to this podcast from the International Monetary Fund. I'm Jocelyn Frank. In the spring, economic leaders from around the world convened in Washington, D.C. to discuss the state of international trade as a part of the IMF World Bank's annual spring meetings. Mary Pangastu traveled from Indonesia. She's the director of the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Jakarta. She participated in a panel discussion about the future of trade. I sat down with Ms. Pangastu in Washington to ask her, what's the view of global trade like from Asia? We always say it's not just about growth. Trade is a means uh, to development. But the reality of this so-called new landscape for trade that we are facing is that there is slower growth overall both in the developed countries as well as in the emerging economies. Similarly with trade, we are seeing much lower trade growth than ever before compared to pre-crisis. And it's not just because of the global financial crisis and economic growth slowdown. There are structural factors also. Uh, Some are attributing it to the changing nature of the production networks and the global value chain, where uh, there is less trade going on in terms of goods, but there's a lot of services embedded in it. Uh, Second is the slowdown in productivity growth. And then third, I would say for a country like Indonesia, because we are a commodity exporter, obviously the decline in commodity prices has meant that we are no longer able to rely on commodity exports. We do have to diversify our exports. Christine Lagarde has recently said that global trade is one of the key tools to move out of this era of mediocrity. How do you see trade evolving over the next 10, 15 years? I think I would agree that trade is still can be and should be the engine of growth. We always say trade is the costless stimulus. You don't need to come up with any budgetary amount to create the stimulus. But what needs to happen, which is a very difficult call, it's, it gets into more the political economy of trade policy. It, it requires countries nationally to undertake structural reforms. And it is about you know ensuring that you have openness in flow of goods, Uh, services, people, technology, funds, data, if you are going to get involved in the information communications technology revolution, which is, I think, going to be a very important one. Uh, in, In the experience of Indonesia, at least being part of WTO or having regional commitments prevents you from at least reversing a lot of policies. Uh, But whether it helps you to move forward has been a mixed story, depending on political commitment. There's a lot of discussion right now of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Do you think that we're moving into an era where these kinds of agreements are going to sort of usurp the value of agreements with the World Trade Organization? Well, they could be, and maybe they shouldn't be. (laughs) So, you know, the worry is that if they are going in different directions and not Uh, building on the WTO or contributing to the WTO or becoming, you know, open to to non-members at some point. So I think what we need to see happen is hopefully that all these agreements, to the extent that they have issues that are already covered in the WTO, and normally it's like trade in goods uh, or intellectual property rights, which are already agreements in the WTO, that they would use that as the basis. But they shouldn't come up with something totally different, right? That's the first thing. Second, there's two very different approaches in Asia compared to Europe or the U.S. In Asia, we tend to have 
I, w- I wouldn't say they're called soft, but they're more um, evolutionary agreements where you start with goods and then you move to services, investment, and then all the other new issues like intellectual property rights, competition policy. And you start with a smaller group of countries and then you expand. Whereas in the U.S. and Europe and even Latin America, they are more legalistic. So they want to start with a whole comprehensive agreement which has everything in there already. Goods, services, investment, intellectual property rights, competition policy, and even labor, environment, maybe human rights. So two very different approaches. You could call the high standard or the gold standard is is what the U.S. and the Europe are trying to do. Whereas in Asia, we are going towards the gold standard, but we do it step by step just because of the ability and the capacity of countries. What would be needed? What kind of support would developing nations need to be able to meet the gold standard set by the U.S. and other nations? I think the first issue is that these high standards should not be U.S. high standards. They should be a standard which is already something which is being discussed in an international context in a multilateral way. Take environment, for instance. It shouldn't be the U.S. environment standards. It should be something which is already discussed, say, in the climate change context. And they may be high, but countries should be given time and complementary policies and assistance and financing and access to technology to be able to achieve those high standards. Some argue that regional trade agreements are a way to inspire competitive liberalization, that individual countries and multilateral organizations would rise to meet the policies already in place. What do you think about that? Uh, well, that that's one view. I mean, uh, I, I think a lot of trade people will say any agreement that goes towards an open, fair, and rules-based multilateral trading system is good. And you get to that through regional agreements. But the problem, I think there are two issues with this. One is that there should be transparency even as the negotiations are going on to make sure that you know the standards or whatever is going to be agreed on is actually something which is multilateral or can be multilateralized. Uh, And second, for the competitive liberalization model to go towards the multilateralization objective, then you have to be clear on openness of accession. That was Mary Pongastu, director of the Center for Strategic and International Studies, Jakarta, and professor of international economics at the University of Indonesia. She was discussing global trade. To hear additional podcasts like this one, please visit www.soundcloud.com slash imf-podcasts. <laughs>